You're tuned in to Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. They're keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. One harebrained eco-friendly scheme after another. Be on the lookout in Sydney bars for their eco-soap made from recycled cocktail lemons. Head to facebook.com slash 42 below for the full story. Proud sponsor of FBI Radio. It's time for my favourite segment. It's Down to Earth. It's where we have a chat every couple of weeks about generally looking directly at our city, but often a lot broader and how we can make uh, our city fairer and more sustainable and how we can just be better citizens within it. It's a pretty practical segment. Um, Professor Kurt Iveson is in. Alex, Every week we? to host it. Thank you so much for coming back. It's great to have you in. Always good. Now, you've brought a couple of guests in today. Um, our guest names are Chris Gibson and Craig Lyons. Um, but do you want to introduce them and introduce the topic that you've chosen that you think needs talking about today? Yeah. So look, we're going to get into, as we've done over previous weeks, some big questions about how our cities are changing and how they're redeveloping. Um, and I'm really excited to have um, Chris and Craig in here today. There are a couple of geographers from um, the University of Wollongong and have just done a really fantastic piece of research about a little patch of land not too far from where we are in the studio here down in Sydenham and Marrickville. But looking at the really important role that sort of inner city industrial land plays in our urban economy, but in our cultural landscape as well here in the city, uh, finding out a bit more about what's going on in that part of the city and, and what's about to happen to it potentially as well with some redevelopment pressures. Yeah, there is some pressure on it, which is why it's high time to, to chat about it. Um, Chris and Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Get nice and us. close to the mics. Cheers. Thank you. Um, so we should get into this, Chris. So yep. you've been doing this research about the use of industrial land in that part of the city. So what made you get into this? Um, well, over the years, I've had various research projects that have looked at cultural production in the city. So it's obviously really important for cities to have um, a vibrant cultural life. But what we often fail to appreciate is exactly where that sort of production activity happens. Mm -hmm. And you know, from San Francisco to Brooklyn and around the world is now very much a kind of an attempt to try and market cities as creative um, and push the creative industries and so on. But actually, cultural production needs a place to exist in the city in terms of where people work and where they produce. Not It's not just about elite consumption and, yeah, you yeah. know. Because um, our cities are so great and cultural, we all want to move further into them yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's this sort of paradox, actually, that where where that kind of lively cultural activity blossoms, it tends to promote real estate development and a rise in the you know, property prices and so on. So they tend to be actually um, overdeveloped and the, the very things that are of value then tend to be you know, pushed out. Um, so, and one of the other sort of challenges I think as well is that at the same time that cities have tried to do this, they're either losing their manufacturing industries mm -hmm. or they're not providing the right kind of policy support for manufacturing industry. So you're getting this sort of class divide in some ways occur between, um, you know, traditional blue collar parts of cities yep. and the jobs that are associated with those. And then this sort of cultural elite that's been promoted very much. So our research project anyway, is, is, is looking at what can be done differently in the city a bit more progressively um, to promote cultural activity, but also to recognize and value manufacturing and that blue collar yeah. base that's actually at the heart of all our cities, actually. Yeah. Um, and where in the city those activities occur and whether they occur together in certain pl places within the city. And it tends to be inner city industrial lands. And yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about this patch of land that you did your study on? So where exactly is this Sydenham-Marrickville so, strip? 
Yeah, so there's a there's a, a road. It's actually a single street, a road in Marrickville <laughs> called Carrington Road, um, which they built in their wisdom on top of a swamp. Um, they subdivided it back in the late 1800s. Um, and because they couldn't build houses on it because it was a swamp, they <laughs> made it industrial land. And it was at a time in Sydney where um, industry was being evicted out of what we now know as a CBD. Um, back before they created zones of the city and deemed them to be industrial, you had tanneries and butcheries and brick makers and all those sorts of things right in the middle of the city. And they were seen to be polluting and um, not the kind of thing that you wanted to have around where people lived. So they created industrial zones and they created one of these on Carrington Road in a new area at the time called Marrickville. Um, and it sort of blossomed from there as this sort of heartland of, of manufacturing and industry for Sydney. Um, it was where Australia's, well, one of Australia's earliest General Motors factories was established there in 1926, mm -hmm. a building that's still there today. And it's in fact Australia's oldest surviving uh, General Motors um, factory complex. Um, it sort of dominates that street. But there have been television factories during World War II. There was an um, aviation factory in there. Women worked in the factory during World War II making parts for planes. Yep. So it's got this long history of industry associated with it. Um, the buildings still survive today. Um, and you're getting this kind of really interesting mix of um, contemporary manufacturing activities as well as cultural producers, musicians using rehearsing yeah, studios yeah, yeah. and recording studios as and well so, as designers and all those sorts of things. That's right. Yeah. So and let's, so let's get into that because like you say, so much of this stuff is kind of invisible in a sense. It's sort of going on right under our noses sometimes and we're just not that, you know, immediately aware of it. But so Craig, you've been kind of, you know, as part of this research actually just pounding the pavement along Carrington Road, right? And like finding out exactly what's going on under the under the roofs. Um, so what kind yeah, of stuff exactly. are you finding there? Well, what we actually found is when we went and looked at the area and a lot of the studies that have been done on it, they're actually desktop studies. So people were using um, statistics based on census data and that sort of thing without actually yeah. going down and seeing what's there. So we just kind of, Chris and I walked down with a clipboard and went down and spoke to all the people and sort of documented what we actually saw. And we found that there's about there's over 200 businesses or 200 enterprises right. that are located on this one street that employ somewhere between 1,200 and 1,800 people. Now, the, like about a quarter of those businesses are your kind of standard or, or traditional manufacturing businesses. So um, I guess people making uh, clothes, people making T-shirts, embroideries, uh, all kinds. Pool chemicals. Yeah, pool chemicals. <laughs> Good to know. Yep. Yeah, all kinds of other things. Um, there's also creative uh, industries. Um and they cover everything from theatre prop makers to uh, uh, boutique clothes makers. There's a fetishware manufacturer, um, ho homewares, ceramicists, music, photography, uh, studios and jewellery and that sort of thing. Uh, the majority of those businesses are small and micro businesses. Yeah. So employing a micro business is one to four employees and a small business yeah. is five to 19. But because those a lot of those businesses engage with a broader community, whether that's musicians or artists or markets and that sort of thing, they actually engage with a much wider cross-section of society. Did you have a favourite of all the things you saw? I don't know if I had a favourite, but uh, one thing that I think would be interesting for FBI listeners is, is, listeners is that there's a big uh, music cluster in this precinct. Yep. So there's a lot of rehearsal studios and recording studios and that sort of thing. Um, there's ARIA award-winning artists that have recording studios in there. There's rehearsal studios that um, house somewhere between 70 and 100 bands per week. 
Um, it's particularly interesting to think about it in the context of discussions around the lockout. Uh, people are very interested in the closure of performance venues, um, but a lot of these spaces for rehearsal and recording and performance... Become performance at, venues mm, at times. Today. Become performance venues as well, and there's also... Um, a lot of the, the supplementary businesses around those events, so around warehouse parties and that sort of thing, um, PA companies that are you know, mm-hmm. located down there as well, yeah. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a Sydney story if all this wasn't at risk from some big nasty developer or something, right? So after the break, we should have a song, eh? And then we can get into that, talk yeah. about what's going to happen down here. Yeah, because we've painted a really nice little picture. If yeah. we were just leaving it at that, <laughs> so go, and, go and check out this spot. We've got lots to gain from it. That, that, that'd be great. But unfortunately, there, there's more to the story. You're listening to Down to Earth. This is Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. Keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. Sponsoring FBI Radio. Professor Kurt Iverson, that's right, I'm Alex Pye, and today we've got some other professionals who we've called in to aid us in our discussion about some of Sydney's uh, creative industrial precincts, and we've painted a really lovely picture about what's going on on, what was the name of the road, guys? Carrington Road. Carrington Road in Marrickville. There is a plethora of different businesses, everything from pool chemicals to more creative industries, and a lot that sort of ties into music networks and sort of has far-reaching... I guess, neighbouring businesses that benefit from the area. It's mm. all been really well and good until uh, Professor Kurt Iveson had to drop the bomb right at the end of the chat to say that this area yep. may be under threat. Yep. So that's right. It's not my bomb being dropped, but I know exactly, right? So, Chris, do you want to talk us through, there are some plans for redevelopment all along that train line that goes from Sydney to Bankstown that sort of takes in this area. So... Yeah, I assume the plans right. have said this is all fantastic and we've got to preserve it at all costs? Or? No. no. So in their wisdom, the New South Wales government have um, announced the, um, the start of this metro train line that's going to run from Sydenham through to Bankstown, driverless mm-hmm. trains, fancy stations, which is all you could make of that what you will. But um, accompanying that, and one could argue, in fact, part of the very same proposal really is about developing high-rise residential all the way through that rail corridor in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of one and the same really. The yep. train comes with the apartments. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole range of suburbs all the way along that line that are being rezoned and there's been various con- well stages of that sort of proposal. So for Carrington Road, that's right, it's all due to be rezoned um, with the loss of that industrial zoning. It's a real mm-hmm. threat to the not just to the buildings that are there, but to the to these enterprises and micro businesses that we've been finding there. So um, at the moment, the proposal is it's a bit different on different sides of the street, but you're looking at between four to six and anywhere up to possibly 25 storey apartments being built um, on those buildings. Yeah. Um, there's a you know there's a range of issues there. I think one of them is that as a city. Um, We've all, it seems to have become axiomatic, like a truth, a common sense thing that the city needs more apartments, it needs more space for housing. And while that's true in a way, if we think about affordability and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a supply side argument, if you supply more housing, then mm-hmm. you would think the price comes down. It's not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing in the process is actually um, we're losing our industrial lands. We're losing those parts of the city which we've inherited from previous generations that have been set aside for for production set aside for jobs um, in blue collar industries, but now also in these sort of interesting creative yeah. and cultural uh, enterprises as well. So, um, so we, you know, we've written a report about this, which details 
what's on Carrington Road, but we do raise a, a sort of series of bigger issues for the city, actually. If we mm. want an equitable city, we yeah. need to have a diverse range of jobs. So those jobs need to be ne near where people work. And there's a, there's a zoning and land allocation and regulation issue yeah. about creating the space for those kinds of jobs that we need to be asking, I think. Yeah. And look, I mean, Craig, this is something that you and I have talked about over the years too, right? But it feels as though sometimes there's a sense in which the planners even don't see sometimes what's going on in places like this, right? And I mean, you sort of hinted at it before in your comments that you can do a desk-based study and look at the census and see what's going on, but that's different to being on the ground. I mean, do you think it's a case that here the planners know what's going on but are valuing the apartments more, or do you think that maybe they don't even know some of the things that are going on that you're drawing attention to in this report or... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a, a, an either-or sort of answer. I think yeah. there's maybe a bit of both. I think maybe they, they don't know the full extent of what's going on in these areas. I mean, certainly that was the case from the, the literature and the, and the research that we looked at before we went and did this study. Um, but there's also probably a certain extent to which they don't want to know how much... Uh, mm -hmm activity really is going on here. There's a pretty dominant narrative that industrial lands in the city are in decline or um, like brownfield, which means they're, you know, vac essentially vacant and redeveloped. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a tactic that, that big landholders sometimes use is to actually run down industrial lands and evict businesses in order to make it appear as though those lands are derelict so that they can be, you know, redeveloped for apartment complexes. So, yeah, um, I think there definitely needs to be a greater consultation with the, the local um, businesses and the tenants and the and local residents who do live in that area mm. about the, what the future of the area should look like. Do the and tenants have mm. plans? Um, what is their contingency plan for their businesses? Should yeah, they... we did ask. Ask the um, the tenants about that because in the in the rezoning plans, the assumption is that either manufacturing is in decline, so it's not happening anywhere, and if it, there are manufacturing businesses that have survived, they can relocate to Battery's Creek when the airport gets developed into a kind of big hangar. <laughs> yep. um, so we just said to people, "What are yeah? What are your plan plans B and C and D?" Um, and it was yeah, it was a bit sad actually. That aircraft hangar might not suit all the businesses that you've described in there. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, that was something that we really noted when we when we put in our report, and it's in our report that because it is an old uh, car plant, there's such a variety of different types of spaces. So you've got the old offices of the of the car manufacturing plant are used for small studios. There's larger spaces with really high ceiling heights and uh, loading docks where you can get trucks in with good ventilation. They're used for things like t-shirt manufacturing and that sort of thing. Um, it's a it's a relic of the sort of inherited built form of the area that there's this diversity of spaces that allows for such a variety of uses and if you i don't know if you've been to any of the industrial areas sort of uh, a bit further out from the city but not even that much further out they're quite different they're they're on a much larger scale they're geared towards um much larger movement of trucks and and access to freeways and major airports and that sort of thing so it's completely different yeah. well chris gibson and craig lyons have been our special guests today invited in by professor kurt iveson thank you kurt well, we'll have you back in another couple of weeks absolutely with, with more guests who knows who knows this was produced by fbi radio in sydney fbiradio.com 